0: Like I've said before, I don't think Mike Tomlin's a bad coach. I just worry that his message is is not reaching this team. That they've just heard it too many times. The guys on this team, you know, they, they brought in guys who don't buy into the the program, and I think I don't think Mike Tomlin has instilled that in them. Um, and I, I could definitely see. I mean, it, you know, there's what six teams in the AFC that have seven and six records at this point. Every game from here on out is a playoff game. Basically, if, if the Steelers lose this week, you know, that that's going to make it almost impossible for them to make the playoffs. And so I think if they miss the playoffs this year, that the, the ownership is going to have to seriously consider, is it time to get younger? Is it time to get a new message, breathe some life
1: into the team? Welcome to the show. It's the Steelers Wire podcast. It's great to have you with us. And while we do have you, do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite platform. Your support means the world, and we appreciate it. Ryan O'Leary here playing host, joined by Kurt Popejoy, the managing editor of USA Today's Steelers Wire. Hey, Kurt, how you feeling about your football team right now? That was a tough one on Thursday to my Patriots, but the game so long ago, I, I can't even give you crap, man.
0: You know, I've, I've felt better about this team. Um, not sure I felt a whole lot worse, but at this point, what's done is done. You know we got we got four games left to play. Let, let's see what we can do.
1: So, very, very Mike Tomlin-esque of you, Kurt. That's good. That's very, good very. I want to
0: start, obviously, that we have to cut off our eyelids and not look behind us and whatever blades of grass and whatever else he says.
1: <laughs> there it is. And let's get right into it, right? This is a, a tough stretch for the Steelers, to say the least, right? Two wins. I mean, two losses. They should have been wins. Two losses to teams yeah. eight games below 500, Arizona and New England. Um, that was a rough one on Thursday night against the Patriots and their backup quarterback. I know the Steelers had their backup quarterback too, but still, it's it's a game the Steelers should have found a way to win. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, we're always checking out on checking out the footballing with Ben Roethlisberger podcast. Kurt and he had stuff to say on it, uh, basically saying, you know, quote, maybe the tradition of the Pittsburgh Steelers is done. Maybe it needs to be formed a new kind of way. So let's lead off there, right? Do you? And and, and just before you go off, Kurt. That was specifically directed at the offense, right? That's where Ben Roethlisberger is directing that uh, that comment. But do you agree with him that the tradition and our guest guys not being held accountable like they were back in the day, that, that's not happening anymore in the locker room? Do you agree with that?
0: I absolutely do. And not being held accountable even on the field. I mean, the the days of you know a quarterback or offensive lineman who hold their teammates accountable in-game just doesn't exist anymore. There's nobody on offense to go out there and you know, grab a guy by the shoulders and, and tell them what they're doing wrong and, and fire him up. And, you know, especially one of the places I see it more than anything is on the offensive line. I mean, you see a bunch of guys that really don't even look like they want to play together. Um, they 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 don't play through the whistle. They're not rushing over to help their teammates up off the ground. You know, it's just a whole different state of mind for offense. You know, he you know Brothersberger had his comments Ryan Clark came out and said that there were zero guys on on the offensive side of the ball that understood the Steeler way, um, and I I can't disagree with that. I mean, it's just not the same team. Um, the 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 vet there's no veteran leadership on offense. You know, when the when the veteran guy on offense is probably Najee Harris, maybe Deontay Johnson, and they've got all their own problems. They're not. You know, they're not helping the situation yep. at this point with the the things they're saying and the things they're doing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can't, you know, Najee Harris even said it today. He was asked about Ben Roethlisberger's comments and Harris couldn't couldn't defend himself. He said, you know, Ben's been here. He's been in the locker room. He's been here for Super Bowl teams. If that's what he's seeing, then that's what he's seeing. And so. And without really coming out and saying it, he kind of acknowledged that Ben was probably right—that this just isn't the same, the same mentality of a football team that there was 15, 16 years ago. And the problem is, is the fans still expect that. You know, that's why you have the, the crowd at At Akershire booing Mitch Trubisky on the second drive and chanting for Mason Rudolph and all these things because they still expect the team to play. The way it did for Bill Cowher and early in Tomlin's career, and it just it doesn't even resemble that same kind of team at this point,
1: right? And, and I guess the follow up question to that, Kurt, is, you know, if there are issues in the locker room and guys, you know, aren't being held accountable and it's co- coming off the rails and they're not getting the message, however you want to say that, that kind of falls at the feet of the head coach, right? The Steelers, is that the move here, right? Is does Tomlin survive this season, Kurt, if they don't make the playoffs?
0: I mean, we're going to know pretty quick because he's heading into the last year of his contract. And if if the Steelers plan to keep him around, they're going to get him re-signed quickly. If they don't, I don't know what they do. I mean, I know there's been uh, Jay Glazer suggested that they try to trade him, you know, and get, get some draft picks or whatever for him. Um, that's like, like I've said before, I don't think Mike Tallman's a bad coach. I just worry – that his message is, is not reaching this team that they've just heard it too many times. The guys on this team, you know, they, they brought in guys who don't buy into the the program. And I think, I don't think Mike Tomlin has instilled that in them. Um, and I, I could definitely see, I mean, it, you know, there's what six teams in the AFC that have seven and six records at this point, every game from here on out is a playoff game, basically. If, if the Steelers lose this week, you know, that that's going to make it almost impossible for them to make the playoffs. And so I think if they miss the playoffs this year, that the, the ownership is going to have to seriously consider, is it time to get younger? Is it time to get a new message, breathe some life into the team and, and get some value for Tallman? Because I still think he's a good coach. I don't, I don't think he's forgotten how to coach football over the team, the coach that he was when he first came to the team. I just don't think he's ever been able to replicate that that group of players, and I, I've I've said this publicly before. He inherited Bill Cowher's team, and he won a Super Bowl with Bill Cowher's team. And I think as those players left, he and the front office at that time, Kevin Colbert, just weren't able to replace the roster and roll the roster over with the same kind of guys. And I, I think that now here we are. You know, when Ben left, that was kind of the last of Cowher's players. And I just don't think that he's he's been able to bring in players who, who fit that mentality, fit that mindset. And he just doesn't, you know, like you said, it's about accountability. I think he's concerned about holding players accountable. I don't think he, I think he's more concerned about being a players coach than an X's and O's guy. And it
1: might just be time for somebody new. Go back 25 years, go back 50 years. Steelers fans, there's really not been a bottom out with the Steelers, right? I mean, I think their worst season was like five wins or something, right? Over the last 40, 50 years. So yeah, Bill
0: Cowher had a couple of pretty lean years, but yeah, it's not been a, I mean, it's not been a bad run at all. It's hard to, it's hard to look at the Steelers historically going back to 1970 on, um, and really get too upset about the success they've had. The problem is, is, you know, Tomlin's won four playoff games. And that's that's what people remember, and so they they want to they want to win playoff games. Mm-hmm. You know, you want you want you want a playoff run. You want to feel the team. You know, now you look at teams like Kansas City and Miami and Buffalo and Jacksonville, and you look at them and go, "We we need to build a roster. We need to have a team that can compete with them." And I just don't think they have that this year.
1: Yeah, and, and that's fair, and I agree with it. I agree with that hundred percent. And I, and I get why fans would be. Um, pissed about or just like annoyed or or sick of the team consistently making the playoffs but not having a chance to win the Super Bowl, a real chance. I I totally get that. But there are like 60-year-old people, Kurt, sitting in the Lazy Boy, Mm -hmm. retired, and they've really never had a Sunday where they couldn't watch a game that meant something for the Steelers. You know what I mean? That is, right. like, that is something that's pretty cool. So just looking back at it, I, that's why I'm rooting for the Steelers not to fall flat because that's just not yeah. who the Steelers have been historically. I don't want to see them where the Patriots are right now. I don't want to see them falling flat and picking one or two in the draft. I know fans are, get infatuated with that, especially nowadays. Like Tanking for the draft pick is like a, a, a huge thing right now. With, with nfl fans it's crazy like as soon as a team loses a few games kurt it's like all right we got a tank you know what i mean like yeah. i mean i who, i do you know the, the
0: name gets in their head this oh is yeah the player that we gotta have and- we got a
1: tank we gotta yeah. tank it it's just like you don't want to be that team man once you get down there that bad if you're down there and the one number pick number one or number two and it's not because you had a, a key injury or something right If you're down there, it's because your team's really bad, and one player is not going to fix it. It's going to take you a long time to dig out of that, and you're going to be wishing you were back competing again. So I don't want to see the Steelers fall flat, but I totally get the uh, fans being just over the team being just like they are right now. In it, in the hunt, in the playoff picture right now as we speak, but really not a real threat to win the Super Bowl. That's, That's a frustrating place to be. I totally get it.
0: Yep. Yep. Been that way a long time. Yep. You know, they've been they've been that way a long time. And I think that you look at this year and I think people see what Houston did um, and and is doing with C.J. Stroud and think, man, we can get lightning in a bottle and we can have that. Uh, You might get Bryce Young. You know, you might get Carolina, too. And so there's no guarantee that a high draft pick is going to turn your franchise around, you know, anytime soon. And so, yeah, that it that kind of move worries me. You commit to a top pick for a quarterback like that. And, you know, Pittsburgh's living it with Kenny Pickett comparing to Brock Purdy. You know, it's it's tough.
1: Yeah, it is. And and I think Carolina is a perfect example. They get the number one pick in the draft, the quarterback, and they can't win right now. And they can't do anything on offense. And it's just yeah. that can happen. So, so yeah. that that's just I think it's an interesting conversation. The Patriots and the Steelers. I mean, just two of the most winning franchises you can go back two decades. They're they're one and two. You go back fifty years, they're one and two. Uh there's two teams that have done a ton of winning. I think they're it's really interesting when they when they meet up and you can kind of look back at the history there. But two teams in, yeah. in different spots, it's it's just uh it sucks that the Steelers lost this Patriots team. It's 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 hard. They were seven and four wow. Kurt and they had Arizona and the Patriots right in, right in front of them. There's just no excuses okay. to be in this spot, but this is where we are. But we got a game to play as Kurt said it's a playoff game. I agree with that. Steelers Colts let's dive into that matchup here coming up next first hey if you're still alive in your fantasy leagues good job that means you're in the playoffs congratulations here's some advice for week 15 and then we'll be right back
2: welcome to the fantasy football playoffs I'm Corey Bonini of the huddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week 15 Los Angeles Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford versus Washington Commanders facing a top-tier Ravens defense Stafford passed her 294 yards and three touchdowns last Sunday That gives the veteran 10 touchdowns to just one interception in his last three games. Meanwhile, Washington ranks dead last in passing yards allowed per game at 266, yards per attempt at 8.1, touchdowns allowed 30, and in the last five weeks, this matchup is 32% better than average. Nine quarterbacks have posted at least 25 fantasy points against the Commanders on the year. DeAndre Swift, Philadelphia Eagles at Seattle Seahawks. Another former Detroit Lion, Swift now has finished with fewer than 10 PPR points in four of the last five games after seven straight useful performances. Fear not, the matchup ahead is extremely favorable and gives Swift a valid opportunity to get back on track. Running backs have averaged the 10th most rushing yards, 5th most receiving yards, the 8th most catches per game, and a touchdown every 19.3 touches, which is the second highest rate since week 9. While risky, Swift's matchup alone makes him a strong play candidate. Wide receiver Romeo Dobbs, Green Bay Packers versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dobbs managed four catches for 32 yards against the Giants. That's weak production, but he might be thrust into the clear-cut number one role, depending on what happens with injuries around him. Christian Watson has a hamstring injury, Dontavian Wicks has an ankle issue, and rookie Jaden Reed potentially is facing a concussion. Against the shaky Buccaneers secondary, Dobbs looks like a possible wide receiver two candidate, and this defense has permitted 19 receivers to reach double-digit fantasy territory in PPR scoring. Tight end Isaiah Likely, Baltimore Ravens at Jacksonville Jaguars. A 54-yard score against broken coverage last week made an otherwise modest day much more appealing. Likely has drawn 15 total targets in his two starts since the Ravens lost Mark Andrews and that kind of stable role makes him tough to ignore in any format. The Jaguars have given up three touchdowns over the last 21 tight end catches faced, and only two defenses have allowed scores at a higher rate. This is the number 11 matchup for yardage allowed since week 9, but it's also a neutral 17th for receptions against in the last five weeks. Even still, there's no reason to get away from Likely with this favorable matchup, especially considering how volatile the position is. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out TheHuddle.com.
1: All right, we're back. Kurt, I wanted to ask you about Mitch Trubisky. Uh, One thing that I was really disappointed in with the Steelers on Thursday night is that Bailey Zappi came out with more juice than Mitch Trubisky. (laughs) And that's just unforgivable at home against a bad Patriots team. uh, Mitch Trubisky just – I don't know if he gives you a shot, Kurt, right? I mean, he just seemed completely out to lunch to start the game. He just wasn't – I don't know if he was disinterested or didn't – it just took him a little while to get into it. I mean – I, I yeah. agree with what Tomlin said afterwards that he did get better as the game went on and he, he led some mm-hmm. touchdown drives to keep you in it. But where was he at the beginning? He just looked, there was no life behind those eyes, man. He just wasn't in it. And that was, that was tough to watch. The fans were all over him. Rightfully so. They were yeah. chanting for Mason Rudolph. So yeah. Trubisky or Rudolph, Kurt, is that a, is that a fair question right now?
0: I mean, no, I mean, it's, it's like Tomlin said, you don't, you don't create a quarterback competition this far into the season. You know, Trubisky's been the better better backup all season, and you just got to stick with him. Mason Rudolph is not going to come in and turn this team around. You know, they've got, they got four games to play. If they don't go two and two minimum, they've got no chance of making the playoffs. I, I hate how poorly Mitch Trubisky played. I think it's a little ironic given that he was one of the guys that's been kind of critical of his teammates before he got the starting job, um, coming out there talking about why guys aren't playing harder and why they aren't. Well, he needs to ask himself that because he came out and acted like he wanted to be anywhere but on that field last week. Agreed. I don't know if it was the fact that he watched his defense go out there and make um, Bailey Zappi look like Tom Brady for a couple of drives. And that just kind of took the wind out of his sails too. I know that was tough to watch, you know, because the defense is the one side of the football that Pittsburgh's supposed to be able to count on. And I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I don't know if he just isn't connecting with the players on offense. You know, he only had a couple of days with them and probably throwing to guys that he doesn't normally throw to in practice, but yeah, it looked, it looked bad. But at this point he's, he's the best they've got, you know, and they've got to figure out pretty quick, how can we, you know, protect him, minimize mistakes. Cause that's the biggest difference between him and Kenny Pickett is, Mitch Trubisky going to try to force some throws. He's going to make some mistakes. I mean, we've seen that already. How can you minimize the damage from the turnovers that he's invariably going to create?
1: In terms of uh, the game, Kurt, on Saturday, uh, Steelers, Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium, middle game. We got, we got plenty of football this weekend. Thursday, three games Saturday. Games all day Sunday. Game on Monday night, right? So we got all kinds of football. It's going to be sweet. Uh, Steelers, one and a half point underdogs on the road in this one the Colts struggled with with an AFC North team last week right they got smoked by the Bengals uh they had one four straight going into that game but the Bengals really handled them with Jake Browning uh held them to really shut down the run in the second half the Bengals did uh they outscored the Colts 20 to nothing in the second half so I can can we hold on to that can, can Steelers fans say look they they struggled with the Bengals they'll struggle with us too
0: I mean that's what you hope you know it's it's been really telling to see how quickly Jake Browning has gotten up to speed running that Bengals offense. I mean, he's, he's got pretty good grasp of it. Seems like he's playing really confident. Um, When, when this game first came about and Anthony Richardson first got hurt, he looked at the schedule and go, man, this is going to be a, this is going to be a walk, you know, Gardner Minshew and, you know, a, a disgruntled Jonathan Taylor that's not been playing, but, I, I, you can't take anything for granted at this point. I mean, I'd love to say that Pittsburgh, you know, two losses as bad as they've had the last two weeks is going to really light a fire under them, but I thought the Cardinals game was going to do it. And it didn't happen. So uh, again, I just don't know how much they got left. I, I don't I don't know how much they can pull it together. Colts are in the same position. I mean, they're seven and six, they're fighting for a playoff spot too, and they're playing at home. So, um, yeah, I mean, I look at it more of a probably a bounce back game for them than I do for Pittsburgh at this point. I'm I'm not a bit confident that the Steelers can go in there and, and beat them this weekend.
1: Yeah, me either. <laughs> historically, the Steelers. I, I don't, I, yeah, I mean, historically, the Steelers have owned this team. I think they're like something like yeah. twenty seven and six all time. They've won eight straight against the Colts. But, yeah. I, Kurt, I can't trust them with Mitch Trubisky on the road. I yeah. just can't. Uh, the Colts can score. Uh now I think the Steelers defense will get there. They'll they'll win their fair share of series as well. It's we're, we're facing Gardner Minshew here, but I I think the Colts can score. They they're a pretty good team on offense. The Steelers are a little banged up on defense, you know, for my liking with we, we don't know some of the status as we're talking right now on a Wednesday night. Uh, it just feels this one screams Colts by a field goal to me. You know what I mean? I I just I'm not feeling super confident in the Steelers coming in, but they got to they got to find a way to win this game, but how do you have confidence if you're making a pick or prediction or you're betting on this game against Steelers one and a half point dogs? But how can you bet Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers coming off losses to the Cardinals and the Patriots? That's on the road. That's a that's a tough one. That's a tough one to talk yourself into. So I got to go Colts here. Well,
0: I, I can't do it. Yeah, especially when you consider that Highsmith and Watt may not play. I mean, then you're then you're looking at Marcus Golden and Nick Herbig as your pass rushers and you know, signing guys off the street to, to back them up. And so, no, I, I don't have any, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not taking, taking a point or point and a half or whatever it is right now. And that, uh, and thinking the Steelers can keep it that close. I think it's going to come down to the wire, but I, I think the Colts will probably, probably find a way to, to wear down the defense a little bit, especially if they can run the ball, um, you know, with the mismatch inside linebackers we're dealing with and, you know, th- things like that. It, it's going to be tough for Pittsburgh to, to hold them off all game long. And if the offense can't move the football and they keep running that defense out on the field, they're going to wear down. And that's what we've seen happen the last two weeks is they just get tired. They don't have the depth because the injuries and, you know, other teams find ways to score on them.
1: It's a big game for the Steelers, but I just don't, I don't love the spot for them. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens though. Anything could happen. It's, it could be wild. We got Saturday football, Kurt. So uh yeah. hopefully you can i know you got you guys are sped up on steelers wire this weekend right getting ready for a saturday game
0: we had to accelerate everything a little bit so
1: that's okay yeah you guys always do a great job and folks should definitely be checking out the coverage on steelers wire leading up to the game and beyond for kurt i'm ryan o'leary thanks again for joining us on the podcast we appreciate you rate review and subscribe if you could tell a friend if you liked what you heard and we'll be back next week to break down steelers colts and see if we still have a uh, still clinging to playoff life here <laughs> we will see you next week and we will talk to you then
0: just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left